Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that will follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Man, God bless the reading of his word this morning. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Anybody with me on that one? I love that movie. Uh, many of you know the story. If you don't, it's been 26 years. And so I feel like the grace period is over. Um, I may spoil some things here, uh, but you had time. So Andy Dufresne is the main character. Uh, he is in prison, uh, falsely accused of something he did not do, crime that he did not commit. And what makes him such an interesting character is that even in this desperate and difficult place, this place where he doesn't even belong, he finds a way to not just survive in it, but to thrive. He makes it a better place, not just for himself, but also for those that are around him, sometimes even at great personal cost of, of his own. And one of the reasons why he's able to do this is because he doesn't let that place get the best of him. He doesn't allow himself to become bitter or angry, uh, to try to seek revenge. He doesn't, he doesn't allow himself to fall into despair. He actually lives in prison, falsely accused, with a great deal of hope. And kind of this, this theme throughout the movie is, is hope. It, it's other prisoners mocking Andy for the hope that he has, telling him that hope is a dangerous thing to have in a place like this. Others who have just given in to their despair, who, are, who, who say, you know, the, the hope that you have, just give it up. He, he shouldn't have it. Those around him as they live without hope. And one of the most famous lines in the movie comes towards the end. Andy writes a letter to his friend, Red, and the letter says, hope is a good thing maybe the best of things. 
And I think that's why I love this movie so much. Not only is it a beautiful story of redemption, it's a story about hope. Hope is a desirable future, vision of the future. And, and Andy Dufresne had that vision to hold on to. He never lost it in spite of his circumstances, which is what drove him to make the best of his circumstances. And I think what we can learn from that is really what, what our text teaches us as well today, that what you believe about the future determines how you live today. What you believe about the future determines how you live today. We're in the second week of our, our series on First Peter called Exiles. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn there with me. First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. It's all the way towards the end of the Bible. You might have noticed in, in our text that Daniel read for us today, uh, which I, I love the sermon bumper. So we're going to be doing it throughout uh, the next several weeks in this series. We want to kind of do a flyover of the entire text that we're going to be looking at. And so sometimes it's going to be like last week where we looked at an entire two verses. <laughs> and so it's going to be quick. And then sometimes it'll be long, you know, kind of be extended uh, like this one where we're going to read multiple, but we're going to see the text and its overview from beginning to end. And then we're going to get and kind of pull out some, some meat uh, that as we, as we go through the sermon, but, but in the, in the text that Daniel read today, Peter, Peter sets our hearts and our minds on, on things, not, not, not our circumstances here and, and now and today, but he sets our minds on the future, on things that are eternal, on the hope that we have as followers of Jesus who have been rescued by him, who have been set apart for him. And he's writing this letter to people that he calls exiles. We talked about that last week as we began the series. As followers of Jesus, we are exiles here. We are resident aliens. We live in this world, but this world is not our home. We belong to another king and another kingdom. That's why the, the subtitle of the series is Kingdom Living in a Foreign Land. Because if we belong to Christ, if we are in Christ, this world is not our, our home. And while we're in this world, we live here, we work to make it a better place. We work for its good and the good of others. That's why we do things like the furniture giveaway. But we don't conform to it. We don't isolate from it either. And Peter knows that while we are on this journey home, there are times where it's going to be difficult. There are times when it's going to cause us pain. And so the question is, what's going to get us through this journey? What is going to be the thing that allows us to persevere, to keep moving forward, especially in those difficult times? And for Peter, the answer is hope. For Peter, hope is having a clear vision of a certain future. Look again at what he writes, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says that Jesus has given us new birth, new life. He has given us a fresh start and a new identity a new perspective, not only of this life, but the life to come. We have been given this new birth into what? Well, 
he says, a living hope. A living hope that is rooted not in wishful thinking, but is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. We don't have a hope in dead things or dying things. Instead, Peter says, we have a living hope because we have a living Savior. As we go through this letter, we're going to see how this living hope starts to shape how we live as exiles in this world. Because again, what you believe about the future determines how you live today. Now, there are three questions about hope that Peter answers for us in our, in our passage today. Number one is, what is our living hope? How would we define it and describe it? Number two, why do we need hope? And then number three, how do we experience hope? How do we receive that hope? And the first question that we want to kind of unpack here is, what is our living hope. If, if we've been born into living hope, and it seems like a pretty big deal to Peter, and, and he, he seems to indicate that it's a really big deal for us, what is that living hope? Well, he tells us, starting in, in verse four, what part of it is. He describes it as an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He's talking about an inheritance. Our hope involves an inheritance that we will one day receive. Now, when we hear the word inheritance, our, our minds will oftentimes go to what? It goes to, goes to money. But that's not what Peter is talking about. And, and it's not where the minds of his original audience would have gone. And again, you've heard me say this before, if you've been around, to understand a text, you have to first understand it how the original audience would have understood it. If we don't understand it the way that they would have understood it, then we don't understand it. And so let's try to understand and put ourselves in the mindset of Peter's original audience. When they heard the word inheritance, they would not have thought about money. They would have thought about land. They would have thought about property their minds would go to the inheritance that God promised the Israelites that they would have the land of Canaan as their inheritance. And that doesn't really mean a whole lot to us, but let's try to put ourselves in that historical context. After 400 years of Egyptian slavery, God, God makes this promise to his people. And then they go through this time of extended slavery in, in Egypt, a land that was not their home. 400 years living in a land that was not their home. And then after that, they go 40 years of wandering in the desert through a land that does not belong to them. And what kept them going through all of this, what, what, what kept them from falling into despair, what kept them from losing hope was this promise of an inheritance that God would one day give them. The promise of land that they could call their own, a home that would be theirs. And what a beautiful promise for wandering exiles that one day you will be home. And Peter is saying that part of our living hope as exiles wandering in this world today is that one day we will be home. For those of us who are in Christ, we have an inheritance coming our way that nothing and no one can steal from us. We have a home that is secured for us in heaven and God himself is tending to it and protecting it. Then in verse five, Peter adds to the living hope that we have. Not only do we have an inheritance that we look forward to, but he also says this, let me kind of start back there towards the end of verse four. 
says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And that word kept is interesting. It's, it's used other places to describe the warden of a prison. It's being watched over. It's being protected. It's being guarded for in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so not only do we have our inheritance to look forward to, this eternal home through faith in Jesus, we also have our salvation. And that word salvation is this blanket word to describe everything that God will save us to and save us from. It's deliverance from our sin and from our suffering, from our guilt and from the shame that, that, we, that we carry and that we live with. It's, it's bringing us into peace in his presence forever. And our salvation will be fully realized on the day when God kind of the culmination of all of these things, he gives us our inheritance and there's no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. And Peter says that this salvation is ready right now. Like it's been prepared. God's, God's just waiting for the day to reveal it to us. It's like going to a, a play, you know, back when we could do fun things like that. You get there, you know, you, you, you buy your tickets, you go through and you hand them, they scan it, they say, okay, your seats are this way. And, you know, if you go to Cardinal Stage before you go and grab your seat, you go by and you get some of Virginia's yummy popcorn that they sell there in the lobby. And you go and you find your seat and you, you say hi to some people that, that are around you. And, and you sit down and you wait in anticipation. You know, you get there and you're looking and what? The curtain is closed. Well, the curtain's not closed because they're back there designing and building the set. <laughs> the curtain's not closed because the actors and actresses aren't back there trying to memorize their lines real fast to, to, to figure out what they're going to say. No, it's closed because it's not yet time to reveal it. And right now we are in a period of waiting waiting for all of God, that, that God has prepared for us who are exiles in this world, waiting for God to reveal, open up the curtain and reveal all that he has prepared for us. And while we wait for our inheritance, while we wait for the salvation that he has promised us to be revealed, we continue to experience the pain of living in a broken and fallen world. We continue to experience the, the pain and the hurt and the sting of death and cancer. Some experience racism and prejudice based on the color of their skin or their nationality. We experience mass shootings like what took place at FedEx in Indianapolis this week. And all of it just adds up and it's like this poke after poke after poke reminds us that this world is not our home and makes us long for the day when Jesus will return. And while we're waiting, while we're passing through this living hope that we have is that one day our inheritance and our salvation will be revealed and this feeling of transience that we have in this world will be replaced with a sense of permanence in a place that will be prepared for us, that has been, that it will be kept for us in this is secured for us. The place where death and disease and fear will be no more. That is our living hope. 
And the reason why we need it is the same reason why Peter's original audience needed that hope. Look at what he writes in verse 6. It says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. And, and, and he means by all of this, he's talking about that inheritance. He's talking about that salvation, what, what is going to be revealed. He says, you greatly rejoice in that, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. See, these early Christians that Peter is writing to that have been scattered out throughout the nations, they are facing persecutions for their faith in Jesus. They were losing their jobs, their freedoms. Many of them were, were being uh, kicked out of their families. Some were even losing their lives because of their faith in Jesus. And, and to go through suffering like that, you, you have got to have hope. You've got to have a certainty of something that is worth all of this pain that you are experiencing. And Peter is writing to remind them like we do. There is something that is greater that is the anchor to pull us through what we go through today. And without hope, you become like the, the other prisoners in Shawshank Redemption. Without hope in the midst of suffering and pain or injustice, in some people carry this anger with them. They become angry and they become cruel. They act out and they attack others. There's, there's a, a truism in recovery programs and in recovery ministry uh, that says hurt people hurt people. And, and you may have never heard that before in your life and you're going, yep, that's true. Because you can think of someone who has been hurt, who's lost hope, who has this wound and the only way that they know how to deal with it is to lash out and try to bring others into the suffering and pain that they are experiencing. Hurt people hurt people and without hope we act out, we attack others, we make others suffer because of the suffering that we are trying to endure. Some take the exact opposite approach and they just give up in despair. But when you have a living hope, something greater can happen. Peter says in verse six that because of the living hope that we have, we can rejoice in the inheritance that awaits us even while, even though we suffer grief now. That knowing what's in our future can determine how we live today, how we walk through suffering today. And suffering has a way of revealing where our hope actually lies. Look at what Peter says in verse 7. Talking about sufferings and griefs and these trials, he says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter tells us that our trials, that our sufferings are not without purpose. They oftentimes strip away the things of this world that we put our hope in, and they create in us a more beautiful and genuine faith. He, he compares it to gold being refined by a fire. As gold is refined, it is melted down and the impurities rise to the top and then they are swept away. And what, you, what you're left with is a more beautiful, shining piece of gold. It's brighter, it's more genuine, it's more authentic. And if we have false hope in our life, we're putting our hope and our trust in things like, like our finances, our family, our health, our safety, and our security. 
There's nothing wrong with those things, but if we are putting our hope in those things and suddenly they're threatened, then we're destroyed. The fire of suffering burns them up. But if we have a true hope, a living hope, then the fire of suffering doesn't burn us up. It burns us. It leaves a mark. It hurts, but it makes our faith shine brighter. And across the world, even today, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing persecution. And instead of giving up, instead of giving in, instead of lashing out in anger or fighting back, that suffering and that persecution is refining their faith and making them shine brighter for Jesus. Oftentimes, even going back into the very villages and to the very people who persecuted them to teach and to preach the name of Jesus so that they will know. Check out this video. Today, we're visiting with Josh Howard, who is the Director of Leadership Training and Multiplication for Central India Christian Mission. Welcome, Josh. It's great to have you here. How is the Christian message received by people? What are the governmental attitudes currently? Fill us in on that a little bit, will you please? So you've got these two extremes of, of people being wide open to the gospel, open to Jesus, loving who he is, and then this whole other group of people that are so much against that, that they're coming, you know, they're, they're coming against as much of it as they can. And so there's really two types of persecution that's currently taking place in India. One is more of the extremist mentality in extremist groups in India that are coming and threatening pastors or threatening Christians, beating them, uh, threatening to kill them, sometimes even getting very violent and leading to the deaths of some of the, uh, of some of the Christians. That's one side. The other side, though, is like you mentioned, more of the governmental side of persecution. The government continues to create rules and regulations for Christian nonprofits, for uh, any sort of Christian work. They're passing laws all over the nation for uh, basically anti-conversion laws, making it illegal uh, to convert from one religion to the other without permission from the local government. So with so much persecution, how has CICM come alongside of people who have literally been physically persecuted? We've actually built several safe houses in Demo, where we live, for families that have been through persecution. And so they come, they take a break, they, they receive healing, they receive love, they receive comfort. Our team loves on them greatly and, and helps them through that situation. Every one of them, though, has made a decision to go back to difficult areas to preach the gospel again. There is no greater testimony to the unbelieving eye than men and women that are staying faithful to Jesus, no matter what difficult thing that they go through. And we have seen so many people that were anti-Christian, even accept Jesus as their savior by watching faithful Christians in the midst of difficulty and persecution. No matter how anti-Christian you are, when you see people living a life like that, and in the midst of persecution, remaining calm and loving and, and peaceful to people like that, and even praying for them in the midst of it, um, there's no greater testimony to how amazing Jesus is than, than people that are living faithful lives like that. You know, the woman that was in the video, <clears throat> pulling the scarf away from her head, revealing a, a wound, 
Brad tells me that she watched as her husband was killed in front of her because of his faith in Jesus, because of preaching the name of Jesus. And as they started to attack her, some people came in, rescued her. And Brad said it wasn't long after that video was taken that she went back to her village to preach the name of Jesus. Josh said, there is no greater testimony to the unbelieving eye than men and women who stay faithful to Jesus no matter what difficult thing they go through. And you cannot do that without a living hope inside of you. When we have a living hope and a living savior, our faith will shine when we go through suffering as a result of our faith because it takes away, it strips away everything But Jesus, everything we put our hope in that is not him. Hope is the answering to suffering because it gives us something certain to live for. So how can we experience the living hope of our living savior in our everyday lives? Well, the simplest answer is is a word that runs through our text today. It's faith. We see faith kind of woven through what Peter talks about in this living hope. In verse five, God's power shields us through faith. Verse seven, trials test the genuineness of our faith. And in verse nine, the outcome of our faith is the salvation of our souls. Faith is the key component to how we experience our living hope in this life. And so the question then is, what is, what is faith? Like, how do we define faith? And I think Peter gives us such a beautiful description of faith in, in verse eight. Look at, look at what he says. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Remember who's writing these words. It's Peter. And Peter had firsthand evidence and experience with Jesus that those reading his letter then and now didn't have. Peter had looked into the eyes of Jesus and seen their warmth. He had seen his gentle, loving, gracious approach to the outcast, to the sick, to the brokenhearted, to the the ones that the world had marginalized and cast aside and didn't want anything to do with. He had seen the anger of Jesus at the self-righteous and the religious hypocrites. Jesus had experienced the humility of Jesus as he washed the disciples' feet in the upper room, even washing his own. And Peter witnessed the resurrection, ate with Jesus, watched him ascend into heaven and promised that one day he would return. Peter had been with Jesus, seen him, touched him. He had shared meals with Jesus, conversations with him. He had all of this experiential knowledge with Jesus that has built this love for him. And now I just imagine Peter sitting back now watching the the next generation and the next generation and the next generation of Christ followers coming up behind him. He's just watching and writing to them with amazement at the faith that they have because what he had seen and what built his faith, they had not seen and yet they still believe. They're not currently seeing and yet they still believe. And I think what he's telling us is, listen, don't give up. The world may write you off as foolish. 
may wonder what in the world, think that you are preaching craziness and following fools, but don't give up. Don't give up because we have a living hope and a living savior. And as we walk with him through the joys and the trials of life, as we reflect on him and we follow him, as we allow the Holy Spirit to conform us more and more into his image, our love for him will grow and our faith, like our hope, comes to life. And Peter assures us that our faith in Jesus and our love for him is not in vain. All of it is building up to receiving our salvation and our inheritance that will one day be revealed. A salvation and inheritance that the prophets and the priests pointed to, even longed for, and that Jesus made available for us. And the only way to have hope for today and certainty for our future is to put our faith and our trust in him today. And so as we close out this morning, I'm just wondering, is there a place in your life where you need to trust Jesus more? A relationship, a diagnosis, a fear. Is the fire that you're going through right now refining your faith and revealing something that you have put your hope in besides him? And if so, I just encourage you to picture yourself taking whatever it is, that, that, that idol that maybe you have created, that expectation, that, that place that you look to for hope and security and peace, take that, lay it before the feet of Jesus and take up the living hope that can only be found in him. Today, do you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time or maybe even again? Have you been walking through this life on your own, looking for life, looking for peace and what this world has to offer only to come up short? If so, Jesus is offering you what you will never find in this world. He is offering you a new life and a fresh start. He is offering you purpose and a living hope and it can be yours when you put your faith in him. And we're gonna sing one more song. And at the end of the service, if you're ready to take your next step with Jesus, if you're ready to put your faith in him, maybe even get baptized, like, let today be the day that you start to trust and follow him. Hope is a good thing. Maybe even the best of things. And we have a living hope in a living savior which makes it the best hope of all. Why don't you stand with me? Then I'll close this off in prayer. God, I'm grateful for the hope that we have. And I just pray, Lord, that today it will live fresh in us. There are so many things that, that are in this world, that are in our lives, our families, that just are consuming us, Lord, that, that, that take our attention and our focus off of, of you, that that just become, we, all that we can see is just, is just one foot in front of us. And, and, and Lord, when we're looking at the world like that, there's not a lot of hope. If we're looking at the world through our news app, if we're looking at the world um, through uh, broken relationships and through pain, Lord, there's not, there's not a lot of hope that's there. But God, I pray that today you will remove all of those from our eyes, that, that we will see things as you see them and that we will be able to find the hope in the living Savior. Hope in the inheritance that will one day be ours. Hope in the promise that while we walk through this world, we do not walk alone. 
Father, thank you for the living hope that we have. And today for the person who maybe wants to step into that for the first time, give them courage to surrender to you. Give them boldness. And as they do, Father, may they just find the peace and the love that their souls desire. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.